Greetings, everyone. This is the Everyman Podcast. My name is Dan Doty. Checking in with a bit of a cold, head cold, uh, non-COVID sickness has taken over my family. And uh, it's interesting to note that feeling ill in times of this pandemic uh, adds some extra stress. They add a little extra fear. And uh, it's been a, a bit of a stressful week because of that. But um, happy to say the test came back negative and all is well. I am so excited to share this week's podcast. Our guest is Remy Warren. Remy is an old friend of mine uh, from a past life. And I have several past lives. And one of them involved uh, flying around the world with groups of really uh, engaging, intelligent, and hyper-physical uh, guys uh, to go on wild hunts all over the country and make art about them. I used to be the director and producer of a show called Meat Eater. And uh, during that time, I also helped develop a show called Apex Predator, and that was with Remy Warren as the host. And he and I kind of conceived of the show together, and I directed it, and um, it was one of the most just purely fun things I've ever done. The show was, was about Remy as the host learning from animals how to hunt, learning how animals have evolved into their specific traits, how an alligator could lie Uh, silently and still underneath the water and then leap after its prey how a um, an otter a river otter or a sea otter can hold its breath to uh, use the mammalian dive reflex to hold its breath and go underwater to collect food for minutes and minutes and minutes upon time and so we would find out we would learn from these animals find out about their adaptations and then Remy would train and go hunt like that animal and it had us doing crazy shit it had it had him um wearing a a coyote skin and crawling in uh, on a herd of buffalo in Mexico literally crawling covered in a coyote skin so that the buffalo thought he was a coyote or a wolf uh, you know, it had us literally face down in a Florida swamp pretending to be alligators and trying to grab pigs by the leg. Um, I could go on and on. <laughs> it had him wearing a pair of painter's stilts in the middle of a, of a river pretending to be a great blue heron and spearfish. It was just litter. It was just wild and it was fun. Um, and I got to go on some adventures in New Zealand with Remy and we've hunted in Mexico a couple times and, um, it's a really wild and fun part of my life. And I'm excited to bring Remy on this podcast and share some of those stories and share more about him. He is one of the most authentic and true of adventurers I have ever known in my life. And he has lived a lifestyle of, uh, world travel hardcore nature, hardcore hunting, ethical food harvesting um, for really his adult life. And so what I think the big takeaway, just to kind of give it away here of this podcast, is what a life looks like when you chase what you know is true. When you are on the path, when you're like literally hunting one's authenticity. And the great thing about Remy is he's, you know, he's not super he's not woo woo at all he's not I don't think he's not really into personal growth necessarily but he just found his way into being himself a hundred percent and it shines through he's just amazing he's he's an amazing dude um 
And so we're going to get to that in a second. But first, I want to just highlight uh, what we got going on right now. And what we got going on at Everyman right now is all about membership. It's all about this amazing platform that we have launched. We pivoted in the middle of COVID. And we now have a group of that's just about to climb over 500 guys. Uh, we're getting close to that mark from around literally around the world that um, guys are getting together online. We just launched our Everyman groups through the platform. So we launched 20 new groups last week. Men are getting together weekly with men from all over the place, practicing uh, being vulnerable, practicing being authentic, and in some ways, like tracking their own authenticity, right? Like looking out for who they really are with another group of men that have their back. It's beautiful. It's amazing to see what we're able to do online. It's been really beautiful. Uh, so our membership is 25 bucks a month. There are pay what you can options. You can come in at a lower level if you need to. Uh, and there's options to sign up for a, for a full year at a discount as well. Uh, I would say come join us. Try it for what's 25 bucks. I mean, I know times might be tight for COVID, but come check it out. If you have any curiosity whatsoever about what do we do at Everyman, what it feels like, what it can mean. Uh, there's so much value inside this membership. Our fundamentals course is there as part of the membership you get to do on your own pace. Um, there's just so much going on. Other news is I want to welcome and celebrate uh, the launch of uh, Everyman Australia New Zealand. That happened last week as well. And uh, some of our dear friends, Andy and uh, Minaj and the rest of y'all, uh, so excited about this partnership, so excited about spreading this organization and this word all around the globe. Um, we have guys interested in Europe and Asia and other places too. So, you know, little by little, this is really getting out there. And uh, we, you are invited wherever you are listening to this from. That's that's one of the fun things about the podcast. I love in imagining and envisioning, uh, you know, people literally all over the globe listening. So come join us. Tech technology now uh, lets us get together. So let's all get together. All right, that's enough yakking. Um, I hope you're all well in these in these times, in these crazy times. Um, I hope you don't have a sore throat like I do because <laughs> that could add some stress or some fear. Um, but take care of yourself. Uh, come join us. And also uh, come join our global calls. They're, they're still going on and they're powerful. They're free on Tuesday nights. Um, and we just had Terry Reel, the amazing therapist and speaker and author. Um, we had Michael Welp and his organization, White Men, as full diversity partners. So we did a call um, helping white men get real and honest and authentic about race and their part in it. Um, and we got some great stuff coming up as well. So uh, you can find all of this on our website. And uh, please tune in to our future podcasts. You can find us on Instagram, find us on the website, everyman.com. Uh, you can find Remy Warren at remywarren.com and, uh, check out, I'll, I'll, I'll be posting some, some, uh, old clips of us at apex predator. So check us out. All right, everybody take care. All right, man. Well, uh, I have an image in my head to kick this off. Um, and I was actually trying to pull it up on the computer here, but I couldn't find it. And maybe it's more of a video, but I have an image of you and I covered in mud um, in some, somewhere in Florida uh, on one of the episodes of Apex Predator. And um, the one I'm thinking of is us 
at the truck after a day of um, crawling through the the muck um, in that cypress swamp. Anyway, that's what I thought I'd lead off here, the podcast. That's that's the first <laughs> thing. There's a lot of things that come to mind uh, when I see your face, but that's kind of the first one. Um, I feel I feel like that kind of wraps it all. That plus standing on top of a skyscraper in Manhattan having a drink at happy hour. I don't know why, but that but that image also uh, sticks <laughs> out. Uh, two very very different images. I remember both. I, I visually re, uh, remember both those. It's funny you said the pig thing because I, I was like clean. I, I got uh, my phone kind of ran out of memory. So I was kind of cleaning it up and I came across that same exact picture. I know exactly what picture you're talking about. Like I literally looked at it two days ago. So funny. Uh, and then, and then I just went down this rabbit hole of like, dude, those are, that was so fun. And I went on YouTube and found some of those like behind the scenes apex videos. Yeah. Like the one of you jumping out of the trees. Do you, do you know which one I'm talking about? It uh, had like you, it was the camouflage episode and we did it oh, where you would like the mountain lion. The yeah. mountain, was that what it was where you would like jump yes. out from a tree and then jump out from another tree? Yeah. Um, so funny. And there was just like, some of that is just gold. Like I just completely forgot about some of that. And that remember when that little pig charged us? I, do. It? I absolutely do remember. <laughs> scared the shit out of me. Pigs scare the shit out of me, man. I yeah. They're so like for whatever, that was not even a big pig. You're thinking, man, that thing was so aggressive. It's just like, it sees a, a large human and just decides, yeah, I'm going to tear that thing up. They're crazy. <laughs> They're so, crazy. So, so to name this for, for everybody listening, what we're talking about is <laughs> Remy and I got the, the support and the backing to basically do uh to, like I, I just picture like two little boys like wildest fantasy dream uh for about what 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 would we do it for about a year or yeah, nine months or something apex yeah. predator we created this show it aired on the sportsman channel um we went on the rogan show together to promote it to start and so yeah the why don't you describe the premise of it yeah <laughs> what was i don't even the premise was essentially that uh we have this theory that like humans were the top predators for a lot of reasons. And one of them was that we could almost emulate things that we saw in nature mm -hmm. of like other animals that were really good at doing whatever they did. So then we took that premise and like went to understand a certain animal and then see, and then just see how humans compare to the like animals that do things really well. So one episode was the wolf episode where we said wolves hunt by endurance. And then we tried to see if humans could hunt by endurance as well and chase down their prey. And then another one was um, like the stealth of a mountain lion. And if we could, how like how we could learn to walk quiet and what were some other episodes? The, well, uh, the, alli the alligator the was one. huge. The gator, that, that was the one in the that swamp. Was, yeah. That was one in the swamp. So we, we tried to like bare hand grab a wild pig in a swamp in Florida. Uh, just like a lot of crazy stuff. There was one like the great blue heron. That was just ridiculous. Oh my God. That was ridiculous. I think that was like your, I don't know whose idea that was. That might've been, that sounds like a Dan Doty idea. It was me. a Dan Doty. That was, yeah, the, worst, that that was the worst idea. That was definitely, that was definitely a Dan Doty idea. He's like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> put on stilts and spear fish in a river. <laughs> that shit could have worked. In a river in stilts. Oh, it was just 
it was because it was like flooding and there was no fish and it was just shitty conditions. Uh, I was thinking about that. Like, remember every time I fell, how hard it was to get back. I was so exhausted. So, so we are literally, we took a boat up a river in Michigan of all places. We're camped out in the midst of a giant patch of poison ivy and yeah we bought these painting stilts right isn't that what yeah, they're for paint, like yeah painters like stilts in, industrial painter stilts and we made you strap them on and <laughs> hike up the river <laughs> and try to spear a fish uh from from that vantage point because the the great blue heron has a tactical it's <laughs> fucking ridiculous has a tactical advantage of its long legs to wade through water and then spear spear fish right i don't yeah. remember what was the spear what kind of spear did we give you we just made it like with a frog gig and like a giant wooden dowel like a six foot closet rod <laughs> that one was silly but some of them were i think uh they should like people need to see the the footage of you acting like an alligator moving as slow as you can with just your face above the water in this swamp getting within what what was it eight feet ten feet of the, yep. like, the ugliest freaking fucking boar like the ugliest meanest looking boar um i've ever seen that 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 shouldn't go away right that no. that moment i feel oh, like yeah. that needs to be to be promoted again like that was that was remarkable and some of the footage of you crawling in on those buffalo wearing a uh, a coyote suit <laughs> yeah <laughs> That was good. And then the uh, one of my, I think my personal favorite was probably the spear, the otter episode where we learned about like holding, breath holding oh, and yeah. spear diving. That yeah. one, that's, if I was like takeaway, that's one of my favorites. Okay, that show, now thinking about it, it was really good. We had some really, there's some cool stuff that went down. Oh, a billion percent. Like, I think the concept is solid. It's, you know, the execution was, I think, fair. Uh, yeah. But we certainly had had fun. I, I agree. I think the otter episode. So in that, we, yeah, you studied, or you went and did a training with a, um, a, a what do you call it? I guess a, a free diver, right? Yeah. You did free diving training so you could hold your breath. And I think you, you know, you got to several minutes on that. And then um, learned about, I mean, that one is probably the best example of what that show was. Like learning what the mammalian dive reflex does for for otters and how we can tap into the same thing. Like it is kind of remarkable, right? Like it is oh, some yeah. pretty cool science behind that. Yeah, you learn just, we learned some pretty cool stuff. Uh, and yeah. essentially we just learned the human body is capable of so many things. And we, we innately have these abilities that, you look at other animals and you're like, oh, wow, that's just an animal that has that. And yet humans have some of the same instincts, the same capabilities. And that was the most remarkable thing about it was here's an otter and yet we're mammals and we have that same dive reflex as whales, yeah. dolphins, everything. You go, well, that really blows your mind of like how we became what we are. And we have a lot of primitive skills innately in us that don't necessarily need to be, I mean, they can be taught but it's just something that every human's born with. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. The, uh, the other sort of scientific moment, which, you know, which was our first episode was the, the wolf pack episode where we, where we went and hunted elk on foot um, and chased them down. But the, what, what, I'll never forget the, the VO2 max testing we did. We put you on a treadmill with some yeah. scientists some experts 
and measured your VO2 max, which came was, you know, basically came out saying you're a superhuman endurance athlete. And then um, learn how the wolves also, you know, can trail a herd of elk forever. And um, yeah, man, I mean, honestly, from, 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 from my personal perspective, that time, those couple days in Montana with you, me, Dom and your brother, like literally doing that crazy, stupid, fun thing was, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a memory that that's going to go down for, for the whole time. That was just, you know, what the weird part that I remember the most was like, midday one of the days we like went back to the truck got to the top of the ridge and we all just basically dug out a little nap spot right next to the yep. road <laughs> yeah <laughs> just slept so everybody just the sun was hitting us and we all just time traveled we woke up <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah i remember that that was funny i think we even had like a uh a, there was like an internet video we made like a funny like uh, phone video remember like we run like a pack we sleep like a pack exactly exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah that was fun and, and just we, we you know we it you know all of these things kind of worked right so you know and, and this wasn't necessarily the first time you did this but we we got in time what was that shot what was that shot you took on that elk at the end probably 35 yards 40 yards 50 yeah, yards something, something like, like that like like yeah. you know um, we did, we chased him down, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny. Like we had all these crazy ideas and then quite a few of them ended up, well, pretty much all of them worked out to some extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. No matter how crazy it was. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Yeah. The other one I really liked was the octopus one where we like created the ghillie suit and then <laughs> crawled in really close to the antelope. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Some of the footage from that of you, with animals in the wild. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, um, you know, somebody, somebody should re somebody should pick that up and, and redevelop it. Cause there's, there's something pretty cool there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a cross between a hunting show and, um, I don't know, even know what to say. It's some like, I, I mean this in the best way. Cause, cause nobody here is a dumbass, but some like, you know, some, uh, what was that show in the nineties? The guys like knocking themselves out and jackass. jackass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a sliver of jackass involved in, in apex predator, but not, yeah, not intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So was we fun. met, we met before that we met in New Zealand. Um, I was, I was shooting meat eater and we came down for this uh, again, just to, I would say one of the most, it was a very epic adventure we came down where we were probably with you for about so you were guiding you have a guiding service both in montana and new zealand at the time you were there and um we did a tar hunt uh we did we there was a chamois involved we did a pig hunt um what else red, the red, red stag deer. hunt yeah red yep deer. yeah red stag um, and uh yeah we you know we hooked up down there and did a bunch of hunts and and it was pretty obvious um right off the bat that uh uh, your talent both as a hunter but but also as a as a what, what do you consider yourself what, what what do you call yourself today i don't even know I, I don't really have a definition i guess i would technically be a professional hunter um but yeah it spans into so many like i do so many different things but it all generally re revolves around hunting in the outdoors um yeah. yeah i don't i don't even know what i would define myself as 
Yeah, we'll lay out for the for the audience. Lay out the the elements to to what you do, like how you spend your time and how it's presented to the world. Yeah. So, um, well, I do a TV show called Solo Hunter, which is like going out into the wild, filming myself doing hunting stuff. Um, I also have like a outfitting business, which I take people into the mountains of Montana hunting trips um, and other places as well. Like I, I used to have uh, do a lot of guiding in New Zealand and just other, other places. Um, so professional guide. And then I do a lot of writing for like outdoor publications. And then I do a lot of like um, now a lot of my stuff is just like, content generation, just kind of like sharing what I do mostly on social media. Um, some stuff on YouTube a little bit, but mostly on Instagram, like stories, um, kind of like breaking down the hunt, going on the hunt, trying to take people along and kind of show what I do, showcase what I do. Uh, we make like short films. Um, I work with a lot of companies as well. So we make like films about hunting and then kind of like do a lot of it with the cooking and the food and kind of the whole lifestyle around it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to tell me if I'm wrong here, but, but my, my assumption is that your Instagram stories are a, uh, a huge part of, of what, how people follow you. First of all, cause they're, they're fucking fantastic, but also, um, man, I don't know, maybe I've shared, maybe I've texted you or let you know, but like some of the people in my life that follow your Instagram stories and like know you from that, it's just remarkable. Like, you know, women from LA that have like zero interest in hunting, generally speaking, or just sort of like the, I'm curious, do you know your demographics? Like who, who tunes into those? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I can like look up the demographics, but there are, there is like a lot of people that, yeah, just kind of like, uh, tune in for the kind of adventure aspect or like the whole strange, you know, like lifestyle aspect of, oh yeah, everything I eat, I pretty much go out and hunt myself. Um, you know, a lot of people like, um, really enjoy the cooking aspect that don't hunt or very interested in that aspect of it too. So, um, but yeah, I would say like, it's funny because, you know, at a time I did like a lot of television stuff. We did the apex predator. I did the solo hunter TV show, which I still, we still do the solo hunter, but, um, now it's like the audience, you kind of go where the audience is and it's now on Instagram. And for me, the stories have been the, the, easiest way for me to kind of share a trip or whatever, because you can kind of take like still photos and snippets of video and kind of combine it into like, this is what happened. Um, and I enjoy doing that as well. So that's kind of what I, what I do now, you know, I think mostly though, my audience is like 99, 90, sorry, 91% males from all over the world. Like the single largest, you know, like one of large demographics like people in Australia, New Zealand, or not New Zealand, Australia. Um, the U S is obviously, you know, the largest audience, but, um, yeah. kind of people from all over. Yeah. Just kind of tuning in. Check I think, out what's going on. I think I'm going to, so I'm going to spend this whole conversation trying to come up with a, a title for you to call yourself. Um, I like it. <laughs> I, I think Remy Warren man of adventure is, is just what you should put like, like that's how you should just introduce yourself to anyone. Yeah, that's, that's actually a great one. Like, what do you do? Uh, just a man of adventure. Cause that really I mean, is. It's kind of true. It oh, is. Yeah. It's I 100%. mean, I, this is like, 
because of the whole COVID thing, this is the longest I've been in one place for like as long as I can remember. How does, so how are weird. you, how do you manage it? How, I mean, how, not even just manage it, but how, how is it going? Just having to be home. Is it, is it, are you going, going stir crazy? No, it's going, uh, it's going really well. I feel like I'm getting soft though. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm used to like, I'm like, Oh, I'm in my comfortable bed. And I, I was like, I normally get up with the sun and I'm like sleeping in and I'm like not, and I'm like, wait a second, I should be like sleeping on the ground in the cold right now. And I'm like, that doesn't even sound appealing. <laughs> you, know? you just kind of like, you're like, wait, this could be it. On? Everybody, the whole world, this might be the moment that Remy just goes totally soft, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just like, I, I should be like gutting a deer on a freezing mountain in like at 13,000 feet elevation after just like struggling for two weeks and just, and now I'm like in the comforts of my home. I can tell Google to turn the temperature up. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm actually glad for you, man. I'm 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 glad for you. After you know, uh, having lived that uh, somewhat of a similar life for a, for a very long time, I can tell you that um, you know, after some kids and some some, uh, my life has shifted away from. In, in a lot of ways, this pains me deeply, and and uh, I, I fucking hate it. But in a lot of ways, like the um, the more home centered life, like it's not all, it's, it's not, there's some pretty amazing, amazing things in it too, but, um, man of adventure. So I, I have the, I have like a, I have an advantage in this interview because I know you well, I know your family. I know some of your stories. I know some of your, even your family history. Um, I'm curious. I, I think I know the answer. I saw no, maybe know some of the answers to this, but but why and when and how did you commit to, uh, to, 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 to this lifestyle, this adventurous lifestyle that you have committed to? Like, where, where did it start? I mean, honestly, I think it, I, it started as soon as I graduated high school. Yeah. Um, I kind of, uh, it's funny because I'm actually... I uh, was thinking about this the other day and I, I just like vividly remember sitting there and you know, those, there's like everybody kind of or like almost everybody has those like moments. It's like, okay, you're, you're finishing high school. You're like, what am I going to do with my life? I remember my parents like sitting me down being like, well, what are you going to do now? You know, like this is coming to an end. And I just remember thinking like, I actually had a scholarship to a university and I, and I did go end up uh, graduating from college, but I took all my, classes in the spring and summer semesters and I just was like I'm going to take the fall off I'm going to travel around and just go hunting live off the land and write a book and I guess that was I don't know how many years ago 17 years ago whatever and um and it's like now I'm how sitting are down you? to write I forget. the book you no, I'm, I'm 35 you're 35 yeah got it yeah so my math is bad, but whatever that adds yeah. up to. No, it's um, Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, is like, um, I just kind of decided, I was like, I knew what I loved to do was be outside, be hunting. And it was like, you know, when I thought about it, I was like, there aren't, I don't know. I just felt like, I was like, I'm a mountain man in a time where there are no mountain men, but what yeah. can I do to just like yeah. be out there doing what I love? And, um, that, that's how it so, started. So that, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. And here's like, what I want to ask even deeper about is what, 
what do you feel some factors were that um, allowed you the gumption and the confidence or the permission to make that choice? Like not many, not many guys out there, not many humans out there. Maybe that's not true, but I think it's true. I don't think many people at that age have the, the balls or the, or whatever qualities it takes. And um, I'm also curious how it fits in. Like some of my favorite stories I've ever heard you tell are when you talk about your grandpa and some of your family history. And I also know, um, and I'll just say this right up front. I feel like, you know, getting to spend some time with, with you and your brothers and, and either you, and your father and your mom and knowing your family. Um, when I think of you, Remy, it, it, you know, just, of course I think about the adventure stuff, but, and, you know, I hope I'm not overstepping or making any assumptions that aren't there, but I feel like I observed one of the most tight knit uh, loving families that I've ever seen in my whole life anywhere in you and your family. Yeah. And I'm wondering if oh, that yeah. plays into it. Does that play into no, that? It? Yeah. That, I mean, that's like, that's the main thing is because, you know, as you know, I'm sitting there like saying like, this is what I'm going to do. And you're like nervous, like, Oh my, you know, like what are my parents? And, and my dad said probably like the thing that I think about almost every day that really set the course of my life. And he was just like, if it's something you want to do, just do it and you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, and it was like that kind of support <clears throat> is like, holy crap. Like, you know, in my wildest dreams, you kind of go through all these scenarios and you're just like, and to have some like a close family that supports you in that dream and that goal. And like, yeah, you can do it. Just go do it. Like you'll, you can do that. Like that, that's huge for like, even just, you know, having the confidence to do something like that. Yeah. And just so you know, personally, like, um, I, I do, I really, I think about your family and I have thought about your family in reference as I raise my own family. And as I've started my own family, I have these thoughts. I'm like, man, when my kids are 25 or 20 or 30 or whatever, my God, I hope we, I hope we get along you know, I hope we want to hang out. I hope we do things together. Yeah. I hope my sons have an awesome relationship with each other. Um, and you know, I know you, I don't know your dad deeply, but I've, you know, I've hung out with him a couple of times. Um, it seems like, yeah, it just seems like your parents are just incredible humans and, and oh, yeah. done an incredible what, and we don't have, I don't know how far we want to take this, but what underpins or what, what's going on there? Like you guys got a badass family. Is it, is it, what is it? Do you know? I don't know. You know, I mean, like we've always been really close, um, you know, do a lot of stuff together. I think like, uh, the whole like outdoors aspect has a lot to do with it too. Yeah. Um, you know, like me growing up, it was like, I loved to, to hunt. And so, um, I think it was like, it was a couple things like one, uh, like my parents were really big on like helping foster, like whatever our passions were. Yeah. So it was like, I love to hunt. My dad liked to hunt, but I kind of like got him back into hunting. And as much as I loved it, like he would continue to go and it was like, take us, like, let us do the things that we really liked. And so because of that, it's like, we were constantly doing stuff together. That was stuff that we really liked to do. I, yeah. I mean, that was probably a huge part of it. Um, do you know, I, I don't know. I think that there's like a lot of things. Um, yeah. And like how about the, grandpa, how yeah, about the, just, the crazy adventure grandpa? Was that on your dad's side or your mom's side? The like guy who like, that was my dad's dad. 
Is it, and didn't he like drive yeah. a horse through a through the front of a saloon window or like crazy? Uh, no. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, he's like he's like one of the wildest humans to ever walk the planet. I swear. Like, there's there's thousands of stories in newspaper articles. Like, if you I, I, like, if he was born like now, he's like the. I don't know, he was like a Teddy Roosevelt that never became president. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just like crazy stuff. Um, he was a professional boxer in uh, for a lot of his life. And then um, he had a lot of jobs, but uh, you know, he's like a professional fighter and, um, and then an outfitter at one point and guide and stuff in Montana and uh, just like a wild man, like some of the stories are just incredible. <laughs> they um, one, I think the one you're thinking of, he was uh, out working like in this remote, I think he was working painting. He, he was a painting contractor at one point too, but he was also a boxer and he caught a rattlesnake and he was doing like this thing of showing everyone how fast he was. And he went to go reach into the bucket and the rattlesnake bit him. So he drove himself like he was out of town a long ways and he drove it was driving himself to the hospital and like went into the, there's this convenience store and I guess he was like getting out of it. Like he just was, and he blacks out, drives through the front of the convenience store. And then the guy runs over and opens the door and he rolls out holding a live rattlesnake. <laughs> it was like, okay. Like he blacked out, but he's like, yep, this is what happened. <laughs> So, so that was, or maybe it was a dead, I don't know if it was a live or dead rattlesnake. He's just like clinching this rattlesnake. So that was your dad's dad. That was my dad's dad. Yeah. And did he, was he passed by, did you know him or was he passed by the yeah. time that you, he did? No, I knew him. Yeah. yeah. So we like, um, like pretty much spent every summer in Montana up with, like with him. Oh. And that's how I started guide. Like, not, that's not how I started guiding in Montana, but that's how I knew the area really well because we would like spend all summer just like driving around, checking stuff out, like hiking, kind of doing all in that. In the bitter root, stuff, mostly, mostly in the bitter root. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right there. So, I mean, again, not to, I don't want to make any assumptions, but with that, with, with a figure like that as your grandpa and just a hell of a supportive family in general, I mean, you know, being a man of adventure doesn't, uh, I mean, it's kind of logical, right? I mean, it yeah. doesn't come out of nowhere, I guess. Um, what, what about your lifestyle? Actually, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask the, the, the big question. If, if for whatever terrible reason you, uh, it was taken away and you could no longer hunt, you could no longer have adventures in that way. Um, where would you be and what would be left? Like what would be, what would be left standing if, if you couldn't go do that stuff? Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing is like, you know, I do that stuff, but also um, it's a, it's a large part of like what I do and, and my day to day and also a, a big portion of how I identify. But I also have like a lot of other things, you know, like I've got my wife and mm -hmm. family. And so it's like, I would be okay. <laughs> in in the yeah. most part, you hate to think about like the things that you love being gone, but also, you know, I would be okay. Um, because I do like, you know, I, I grew up with a very close knit family. Like my wife and I are building a very close knit family. Um, it's just the two of us right now, but like we have that and that's always, that's just if not more valuable than the other, the life of adventure. Um, yeah. you know, to me, 
at least personally. And I think that that's like, you know, I, I never want to be one of those people that like lives so tied to their job that they like without it, they can't identify as anything. Um, yeah. That's always been like, a, not necessarily a fear of mine, but like uh, one thing that I just, I see, you know, I mean, you know, people like that. There's so many people yeah. that's like when yeah. that comes crashing down, it's like their world comes crashing down. But if that happened to me, I would be okay. It would be a bummer. It's yeah. what I love. It's what I've done forever. But also like, you know, I have, but you know, you try to build a life based on mm-hmm. the people around you. And like, I don't know. I think the other thing to me is like, I, I'm super grateful for everything I have and trying to like, I think if you keep like a very humble mindset, no matter what you have or where you're at in your life, like I'm always grateful for no matter what I have. So yes, I'm very grateful that I get to live my dreams, do, do pretty much everything that I've ever wanted. But I'm also very grateful for every day, like the small things like, yeah, we're locked down right now, but I'm grateful that I get to spend that time with my wife. I'm grateful that I get to like make some sweet home cooked meals. Like I'm grateful for every day. And I think that that plays a huge factor into just being, do you think you just came out that way or how, how did how do you think that's just your natural way of being or were you, were you raised that way or what, what do you think brought that? Um, I, yeah, I think a lot of things like I was raised that way. Um, I don't know. I think it was kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe, uh, you know, and even just like events growing up, like having, you know, you, you, whatever happens, like, just find ways like maybe that's my way of like coping with things, I guess. Like, and Mm. you just like develop a lifestyle that way. And you just like, you, you realize that you're really happy that way. Um, Yeah. Do you think you might go back into break dancing if, if hunting? (laughs) I don't know. Dude, no, because uh, like from all the pack outs and all that stuff, it's just like my lower back don't break dance (laughs) too much, too much pain. (laughs) Well, that's, I'm, that's a good, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, you know, in some ways, like you go on your stories and, and what I know of you and I've, I've participated in, in several of these with you, you know, the, the grueling physicality of, of what you've spent spending your life doing. Um, you're only 35, so you're not that old, but I'm, I'm curious, are you, are you feeling any, like, like a couple of years ago when we were running around the mountains together, you were you know, un, unbreakable pretty much. Are you feeling yeah. the impact of, of, of the lifestyle or, or are you still feeling spry? Um, I mean, I hate to like say like, Oh, like, you know, you start talking one way and then you kind of like go that way in some, some, some way. But um, I don't, I, I feel good in some ways, but also like, um, I mean, I, I've re- I've like, I've literally beat my body in ways that, like seemed unhumanly possible for a very long time and I continue to still do it. So I'm still capable of it, but I don't, you know, like as you get older, um, you just can't, like, I hate to say like, I can't get a mindset of like, I can't do what I used to do because I still do it, but I, you just feel it longer. (laughs) That makes sense. Like this year, um, this year was like kind of like uh, during the guiding season was pretty crazy because I, I know I kind of had like a guy that was a packer, but he broke his leg. Mm. And so I was, I was just, I was like, Oh, well, instead of hiring another packer, sorry, got a hiccup. Um, instead of hiring another packer, I was like, we'll just kind of like, I'll, I'll pretty much just do it. And I mean, for the first seven days of the season, 
I think it was, yeah, the first week of the season, I packed out seven elk. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, I don't know if people uh, understand what they, they don't. So let's talk, talk about yeah. it in what so, it is because people won't don't. Yeah. So like packing out an elk is so like what a pack out is, is you, whatever you kill, you have to like take out of the mountains and the, the hunts that we, I guide is not like, these aren't like easy hunts with roads and trucks. Like these are hiking miles from roads. Um, I think like the closest one would have been, would have been like over two miles probably from the vehicle. They're like big, you know, like yeah. big mountains. You might have like 3000 foot elevation gains in a day. Like it's, it's a big country. Um, you know, there are roads around, but like we kind of, where the elk are happened to just be like, you know, in places away from the road. So somebody gets an elk and then you quarter it up. So you cut off all, cut up all the meat, you take the meat off the carcass and then you have to carry that meat back to wherever yeah. your vehicle is. So the first week, what is that? Yeah. It was like, um, I got I, my hunters, we shot two elk on the first day. And so, uh, we got two elk the first day, so we packed those out. And then I was essentially done guiding. Um, no, my one other hunter had a deer tag, and we got the deer the next day. Um, and then I have other guides in the camp, and because it's my, like, operation, so then I would help them pack out whatever elk left. Plus, then we got into the weekend, and we decided to go hunting on our own. My wife shot an elk. My guide shot an elk. My dad shot an elk. My wife and I shot two deer. So each one of those, we load up a pack. I mean, they're probably like, I, I would definitely say I didn't take a pack that was under a hundred pounds. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I try not to, I used to throw on like a hundred and my body weight or more and like hike through the mountains and pack that out. Like I've done pack outs in the past where I've taken a whole elk out and that's just like, that's brutal. But this year, that first day we took between three of us two elk out, which I mean that pack, like it was a hundred. It was my body weight for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for, and people don't, just to let me color it in a little bit too. The, the weight of a, a hundred pound pack is probably not even carryable for even a lot of dudes who think they're fit. It's different type. Yeah. It's a different <laughs> type of experience. It's not the, the, it is, it is like, carrying, it's kind of like carrying death on your back. It's kind of yeah. how it feels. <laughs> It's like you could, I mean, if you went right now and you put like a backpack and you've got two of those salt bags that you get for like water softeners at Home Depot, that's 80 pounds, yeah. you know, and then maybe throw a 20 pound weight on the top of that. But when now you're like, you're in the mountains, there's no trails, like yeah. there's snow on branches, you're stepping over deadfall, you're going up really steep hills, down hills. Um, it's like, it's, it's very it's tax. Like it's a lot of weight. And like, and if you sit down, you cannot just stand up. Like you have to, there's this technique of like, you're like a turtle. You have to roll over, get on all fours. You have to like power squat yourself up and then keep going. Like it's a, and that's why I was like, I get this. Um, I think by like one of the later pack outs that week, I was just laughing because in the hunting world, you know, there's guys that maybe hunt, um, you know, like whatever, you know, like recreationally or that's how they get their meat and they, they like get something and they do one pack out and they take three days to do it. And they're like, God, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'll do seven of them in a week. Yeah. And you're like by myself or whatever, you know, 
as a guide, that's your job is to get the animal out for the client. Sometimes we get clients that can like help, but not always. Um, so what part would tell, talk about the part of you that, that digs that or loves that though. Cause I, I know it's there. Yeah. There's like, it's just one of these like weird. The one is like, if you, you, you almost think like you can't do it and you just like, that's kind of goes back to even how we're talking about the apex predator thing of the human body's capable of doing so much more than we know. Yeah. Uh, or like not more than we know, but more than we assume. Like you can get, you can, it's crazy what your body can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of it is just like the, the masochistic pain and suffering, but almost like proving to yourself that you're superhuman. There's just like this, this like endorphin chasing uh, ability of it where you, you get out there and you're like, God, this sucks. Like you're toiling. It sucks. What? And, but you're just like, you've done it so many times, you know, you can do it. And then you get back to the truck and you're just like, Oh my God, we did it. That was great. And it becomes almost like a highlight of the, of the trip. It's weird. Well, one one of my favorite moments from all of the dozens and dozens and dozens of meteor episodes that I ever did was uh, a show we did with Rogan in Prince of Wales. And there was a part of it where we filmed him talking about, and Steve, one of my favorite things Steve always talked about was the, I don't remember what he called it. It was like the type one fun and type two fun. You know, it's, it's right. just like you, you, 20 years later, you never talk about, you never tell your kids about a, a fucking Ferris wheel that you went on or a, a roller coaster, but the, the pain and those moments of uh, how about for you, I guess basically that the, the bonding or the, the memories that occur of doing, having done something impossible or incredibly hard is, is memorable, right? That's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to drive yeah. to there. What, um, so you have done a lot of this adventure, a lot of this instinct, you've made a, a real specific thing to do this alone. I mean, you, you have a show called solo hunters and just so everybody knows Remy has self filmed his own really, uh, wilderness or backcountry based hunting show for many years. And it's, it's, it's fucking incredible. The extra, how hard those hunts are plus actually filming a quality show of your own. It's, it's, it's remarkable, but how do you, what's your, do you have a preference? Would you rather hunt alone or would you rather? And, and I guess I'm even thinking about these pack outs. Like it doesn't seem like you're driven by competing with other people. It does seem like you're driven by uh, the, the competing with yourself or proving to yourself. Is that true? Oh yeah. Like I, I'm like, I'm very intrinsically motivated. I don't really, um, I don't really get, it's like a weird, I I don't really get them. And maybe that's part of like my whole humble philosophy. Like I get zero satisfaction out of accolades from others in like a strange way. Like it almost makes me uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I like to like prove to myself something that I didn't think capable, or I like to do things they're difficult to push myself to be better. And it's like a very, very intrinsic motivation. Um, is there any, is there any accolade from the outside world that may be uncomfortable, but that you do kind of secretly hope for, whether it'd be like a, I don't know, like a writing award or, or any, is there anything that, that, is there anything that motivates you that way? I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, like, I think I'm like, okay, like that's nice or that's, yeah. great like you you yeah. want people to appreciate like um the things that you do you know that that kind of keeps you like knowing that it's something that's a value but for me it's like i kind of know what 
I, I deem valuable. And yeah. Yeah. I like to, I, I don't know. I, I do things for, I guess I really just do it for me. Like what makes me happy? What like motivates me? And so if I, I want to be the best at whatever I'm doing, that's just part of my personality. So it's for the hunting. If somebody says I can't do something, like it, it really kind of motivates me to be like, actually I can yeah. or like prove to myself that something can be done. But as far as like the solo filming and things, I mean, I, I've done hunts that a lot of people can't like, said were almost too hard to do just by yourself anyways. And then I'm here like filming them like a recurve backcountry mule deer spot and stock hunt and then film it and like do everything. And is there is like, well, I didn't think that that was possible. And it's just like one of the things it's just like, I, I enjoy doing it because it's the challenge it, of it. It reminds me of the ethos of, of like big wall climbers or, you know, I am even thinking of like free soloists like Alex Honnold or whatever, you know, like what's the Holy grail? What's the Holy grail hunt? Have you done it? Or is there one out there that's just like, um, I mean, I kind of have, yeah, I I've done this year. I'm going on. I, I, I like to hunt sheep. And so I'm going stone sheep hunting in Canada this year. Uh, that'll be the first time I do that. I think that that's kind of like one of the things that I've, I've thought, but I was in Kyrgyzstan hunting sheep this year too. And that was really cool. Um, some of the things on that trip just didn't like line up with what you imagined it be like. It was just kind of a little bit of a cluster F, but I think that was part of the adventure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's like every trip is different in its own way. And I, I don't know if there's necessarily like a Holy grail of trips because you know, you could, I think that that Kyrgyzstan trip really brought that to light is like, that's something in my mind that was kind of like something that I really wanted to do. But at the end of it, it wasn't probably my favorite trip that I've ever done. Yeah. It was be because it's just like a lot of things, not because like, I don't mind things going wrong or whatever. It's just, there's trips that might be even closer to home in my backyard, but I enjoy more because I like to do things the way I like to do them. Yeah. I like a certain amount of struggle in a certain way. Like I like to feel like I really earned something. And so those are the trips. It's like the trips that just work out like that. Um, the trips that you just, those are the trips that you remember the trips that have like the crazy weather in the wild stories. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the trips that I really like. I mean, probably if I was to think back of like my best hunting trip, it would be the first time I went to co uh, a Fognac Island hunting elk with my brother. Okay. And yeah. like it was the most miserable experience of my life. Probably like it was so physically demanding. It was so like, I got, I got sick. Um, we had like, I, I mean, I was literally like helicoptering with like throw up and Giardia type stuff in gale wow. force winds um, we were there for almost well, like 10, 10 days, maybe two weeks. I can't remember. Um, we carried, uh, like, I don't, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I like, we wrote it all down. Um, but it ended up being like 40 hours of hiking with 120 pound packs through the mountains. We had this like hill that we had to climb up and over every day. There's 3000 feet with like one way you'd go in to pack out with nothing and then come back out over it with 120 pound pack for 40 hours of walking. You know, and it was just like, we got done and we're like, we would never do this again. And I've been back three times. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like a weird, like everything about it was 
shitty and amazing at the same time. And you can never, like I've been back multiple times and it's just like, you can't really recreate that, that time of, not that I want things uh, yeah. bad or I want it I, to be I, I but it's just like a great adventure. I couldn't get it anymore. I, like I think I ended up doing probably seven trips to Prince of Wales, which has equally shitty weather, maybe even shittier weather. And every single time I got back and I told everybody, we're, we're not ever doing this again. It's done. Yeah. Like, I, I forbid it. We're not going to go there. And uh, we went many, many times and it was pretty remarkable. Um, how many animals do you feel like you've been part of either you pulled, either you did it yourself or you guided, how many animals have you been part, partaken in there? In there? I don't know. I mean, I probably thousands, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've probably like, I was trying to think the other day, like how many animals like I've packed out for like clients or like whatever it's in the thousand something. I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. And I, I mean, I'm sure this is a lot, you get asked these questions a ton and I actually don't want to spend, I want to, I want to honor it. And I want to, especially for listeners who may, who may hear that and be like, God, you killed thousands, you, you know, you, you, uh, you destructive human being. Um, but just, uh, why don't you speak to the ethos and how you see life and death and how you see all of this? Um, we won't spend way too much time on it, but I think just to, just to honor that for, for people who are listening. Yeah. I mean, I think for people listening that might not understand, I mean, I am, I mean, my thing, I love animals and you might be like, well, he's killed. Like he's been a part of, he's taken people to shoot animals and whatever as a guide. I mean, we are talking about that many animals. We're talking like as a guide, as a professional mm -hmm. hunter, whatever, um, or even personally, but, um, I love animals. Like I am completely, you know, like my, my life revolves around things of the natural world. I love understanding animals, being in their environments, but I also see myself as, you know, in order to live, something else has to die. No matter whether you're a vegan, a vegetarian, it doesn't matter. And you're like, well, wait, that doesn't make any sense. But it, it's true. Like to occupy space here, like to live, you have to consume, you have to consume something. Now, for me personally, because I love animals, I love the natural world. I think that my best place to consume is to be a part of the equation as a predator and prey in that, like inserting myself into that natural world and like being personally involved with what I take, what I eat and like being intimately familiar with that knowledge because I, I respect the animals. I know the animals, like I've done my labor, I've put in the work, I've kind of like gone through this, process of pain where I'm, I'm packing out meat that now is sitting in my freezer, but like there was some kind of struggle. There was the opportunity for that animal to get away using its natural skills and abilities that they've survived on. Like I'm using my survival skills and abilities to propagate my future. And so I'm like directly involved with that process. Yep. Now, some people don't want to be directly involved with that process, but everybody who's alive is involved with that process. I think like people do not like, they just kind of consume willy nilly that just like go buy from the store or whatever. They don't understand the natural world. They don't understand their implications and their negative effects on nature and the world around them. And they aren't, you know, they, they aren't holding themselves responsible for their consumption. And so to me, like when I think about it, I think like, yeah, living like that is just one, you're kind of trying, choosing to ignore it. And two, like that seems like a horrible way to live, in my opinion. 
But everybody, do you, do you everybody feel, is different. Do you feel passionate about sharing this part of the message or do you, does it ever get redundant and, and you feel like you're tired of talking about that stuff? I'm just curious. No, I don't, I don't get tired of talking about it because it's surprising like how many people just kind of turn a blind eye to it or don't really understand. Like they have, I get it. Like you're in your own bubble, you have your own thoughts and you see the world, how you see the world. I get that. But like you, you sometimes just have to listen to the way that other like, just because I don't know, even the way that I see the world, um, you know, I'm willing to listen to the way that, uh, you know, other opinions and other things, but I just think that like, there's so many people that don't understand how their existence affects everything around them because they aren't directly involved with it. And it's just like, if you, if ever, if we continue to live like that, we're going to lose so much more, um, and you know, people just are going to stop caring about what's around them. And they just, it's just kind of a weird way to live in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think about it like this. Like if you, if you take a species of animal as a hunter, like I, if there were no more elk, I could no longer be an elk hunter. Like my food source would be gone. Like the, the things that I love would be gone where I spend most of my time would be gone. Um, now if you, like really look at a lot of different things that affect species and animals and other stuff. You say, well, I'm a vegan. I don't like, I don't kill animals. Therefore I have no impact. Well, that's not true. Like habitat loss, invasive species, like that's more animals go extinct because of habitat loss than anything else. So if you think, well, why is habitat loss? Well, it's clearing habitat for human use for agriculture you yeah. know, when you go plant, when you plant the entire Midwest, like, yeah, at a time you go like, well, buffaloes were shot out, but that's not the model of hunting that I use. The model of hunting that I use is a North American model of conservation, which is very similar to how the Native Americans lived in and with the landscape. You know, it's using, but not abusing. And, and I think that there's like something to be said for that. Yeah. How, how how do you frame your your conservation ethos and and um how how big a part of that is how how seriously do you take that that conservation piece no i mean I, conservation is the whole i mean it, it's a huge portion of it's a huge portion of hunting like it's the it's one of the cornerstones of hunting especially in north america yeah i don't uh, think most people understand most that. people don't understand like the people that were like when buffalo pretty much got shot out of existence and a lot of uh mule deer and bighorn sheep and they just started like disappearing from the landscape it wasn't hunters hunters created the regulations to conserve and protect these animals and people don't understand that because they think oh no they shot them all out no it was meat market people that were like the cattle man that was just yeah. like instead of raising cattle i can just go yeah. kill these things out there without costing me any money um and they, they, it was a corporate way of like making money, feeding people without really looking at their impact on it. And it was hunters that stepped up and said, whoa, 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 we are going to lose this resource. You guys need, like hunters created the regulations that protected wildlife. The only reason we have a lot of species today is because hunters, like true hunters stepped in and said, no, like I'm a hunter. I live off these animals. There's huge impacts going on. 
we need to band together and create rules to stop this. And that's the reason that most of the species are still around. And not well, most, most people also don't know that um, hunters are taxed um, specifically on most many purchases that are involved in any kind of hunting and that, and that tax goes directly to wildlife conservation funds. And, and, and maybe this has changed the last couple of years because I haven't paid attention quite as much, but you know, other things like hikers or mountain bikers or skiers or things like they don't have that. Is that still the same? I mean, they, they haven't put any. Yeah. Um, some, I've seen some companies uh, jump into this like 2% for conservation thing. Yeah. There are non-hunting companies. That's only in the last year or two. Okay. Um, all the like wildlife conservation, uh, biology, like uh, studies, biologist studies, all that money comes from hunters dollars, or I would say 99% of it over yeah. the history of everything. You know uh, what? One of my land setting it aside, like all that comes from hunters dollars. It doesn't come from anywhere else. One of my dreams that I, like I often have like multiple lives going and I think about like, if I were living different lives, if I would have made different choices. One of the ones I've been thinking about this last year for whatever reason is I like, I have found a new and profound uh, respect and admiration for our, um, for our national forest service employees, for our national fish and wildlife employees. And my grandpa, I think part of this is because my grandpa's my duck, my grandpa's a duck biologist um, for the, fish and wildlife service. But I like, you know, I drive to Ojai or I drive down on the forest here, go hiking. And I see these guys in their green pants or their brown pants or whatever. And, um, I don't know. I got this, I got this like feeling of, of real deep appreciation. They're like literally protecting, they're like literally protecting this, this landscape, which is one of my deepest values. Like, like the ability to get out into, um, you know, my own personal value system, my own ethos, like I love the adventure. I love to hunt. I love the meat. I love to cook. I like all that. I am, I am most personally moved by, uh, by just simply being in wild places and the, the protection, you know, all of those years I spent on meat eater and doing that work. Like, I think like the, the prime mover in me that was the most activated was the, um, I mean, first of all, the adventurous lifestyle was insanely good, but uh, what I care, what I personally care about more is, is the protection of, of nature. And I, Remy, there's, there's this guy I had a, on a podcast on the podcast yesterday, his name's Ryland Engelhart, and he happens to own a chain of vegan restaurants in Southern California. But I actually think, I actually think you and he would actually probably really like each other and have really good conversations because um, the core ethos that he's bringing to the world is, is this idea of gener regeneration, letting nature come back right and, and actually that we freaking need it and we will need it soon i mean depending on belief systems about uh, the state of the climate and the globe and things um i don't know my hope and i'm getting kind of big picture here my hope is that in the next handful of years that uh we're able to kind of come together uh more and more and i, th I think i see evidence of this happening in the in the recognition that you know uh we, we got to take care of this place a little better, you know? And, and oh, that's yeah. the thing about hunters do that. Most of them, right? I mean, you know, there's the stereotypical, the shitty ones who leave their beer cans around, but their dollars are still going to preserve nature. Like they really are. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of a funny thing when you really think about it, but 
and maybe some people would disagree, but I, I actually believe that like, if you're a, like a true hunter, like myself and a pure vegan, we have more in common with each other than I do with just somebody that goes to the store and pays no attention to any yeah. of their consumption habits. Yeah. Like we both have, like I can relate to people and respect people that choose that because it's like, Hey, it, at the core of it, really, we, we do believe the same thing. It's just, you believe that, you know, killing animals is wrong. And I believe that like, you know, I'm either inadvertently or. Well, it's a heightened level of mindfulness. level. Exactly. You've got yeah. that mindfulness. And I mean, in, you know, in a strange roundabout way, like we have like our, at our core, we have some of the same beliefs. Now, the way we go about it is completely opposite. Yes. But we have more in common than the, than the person that just kind of like goes to the store, gets chicken from a package, like doesn't realize how habitat loss is like destroying species and other things because every time they go and get like farmed, whatever, it's just, they, they just don't even understand their impact in the world. And they're just oblivious to it. I actually like bringing up that term mindfulness in this, in this, in this context, because I think that's, uh, that's something that people can grasp onto. And, you know, I feel like that's one of the things about spending so much time in nature that I don't know that people understand, you know, so meditation and mindfulness in a very direct way is a huge part of my life has been for a long time. But I tell yesterday I was, I was guiding some meditation for some uh, employees and executives at YouTube and uh, the, I, the, how, what I led with was that I didn't learn to meditate um, by anybody teaching me. I, I actually learned it by uh, being out in the wilderness for a thousand days, you know, in my early twenties. And then when somebody actually did sit me down to meditate, I'm like, Oh, I've done this before. And so I, I am I, like, and that's a big area of interest for me where that level of connection, like being out in the wild, being out in, in these adventurous places, um, it does something to you. You know, it, it does, it, it brings benefit to, you know, to, to, to people who do it. And it's actually something that I want to explore more and, you know, maybe eventually write a book about it or something. But what do you, how do you feel the, all that time in all these places, both the challenge, but also just the time out there, how do you feel that's shaped your, um, shaped you in, in a deeper sense as a human? Yeah, I think, I don't I say it a lot, but I like, I, I say that it's kind of like a thing that I say is <laughs> I like to find places where like, I like to feel, find places. So like, I like to feel very small. I don't yeah. know if that's, um, yeah. I like to find, because like you get out in these places, like when you're at home or you're in your job or you're doing your day to day thing, like your world. Yeah. It's like a bigger world, but you feel so in control, so big, like so on top. And now maybe things beat you down or you're having a, a tough run of it. You don't feel that way. But like when you get out in nature, it's like, it's so big, it's so vast. And you're just this tiny speck in this bigger picture, this bigger landscape, this bigger thing, like that mountain's there. It's there before I was here. It will be there after I'm gone. I'm just here for now. And I'm just going to enjoy like what's around me because everything right here is so much bigger than me. And, and I like that. Like it, it, I like that feeling of feeling small in these big wild places. It just like brings a lot of introspection. It brings a lot of 
I don't know, it, it brings in some ways like a, a certain amount of peace of just thinking like, okay, like I'm, it just kind of like grounds me of thinking I'm here right now. And, you know, probably like, I want this to be here when I'm gone as well. Yeah. Like, I, that's kind of the way that I see it when I go into those places. And dealing, dealing with so much life and death in such a visceral way like that, is that, uh, um, do you, I guess two questions. One, does, do you have, uh, does that help bring you any general sense of understanding or peace with your eventual, your own eventual death? And then even beyond that, well, let's just go there. That could be a big one. It could be a big, I don't need to complicate the question. Does, does that, it does for me, does it for you? Does it help you understand, like put into, I mean, you've talked, said it many times, this sort of humble feeling and this desire to, you know, you like to feel small and, and that, um, does, uh, does your own death freak you out? No. Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's certain things that you're like, Oh yeah. Like when you're staring down the pipe, I mean, I've almost died so many times. <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of like, you're like, yeah, it's a sucky feeling. I mean, I've had, a handful of experiences where I was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it. And, um, I mean, it's not, I, you don't like that feeling, but, <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> it's like, it's a really, really shitty feeling, but you know, you just, I, like, I don't think that I'm uh, necessarily afraid um, Yeah, in that way. You know, you yeah, there's that moment where we were, who did we send across the river in New Zealand? Was it you or Steve? Steve. We sent Steve. him across. I think back on that one, like, you know, I think he was fine. He probably would have been fine, but that, that was one, that was an example where, you know, and I know you guys got charged by like actually charged by a bear. I've only been false charged by a bear. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, there's, uh, that, well, I don't know why it is, but that, that cold water with those fucking icebergs coming down and having them on that rope for whatever reason, I think that one probably could have gone a little South. Um, and I'm yeah. I would have never tied myself in like that. <laughs> but yeah. That's the thing I think about. I was like, you should never tie yourself like that. But um, yeah. yeah, it could have easily gone, gone awry. What about, what about legacy? Like what, what would you, you know, say hundred years ago? I mean, maybe you'll live on a hundred, another hundred years. That'd be pretty cool if you did. I would like to, but say you don't live another hundred years, hundred from years from now. What, uh, you know, what would you like to have been what you left behind you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that if possible, I would like to, you know, obviously leave a legacy of like protecting the things that I love, essentially the outdoors, wild places and the ability to go hunt and, and live in a way that you want to as, as technology progresses as like the world comes to, yeah, I think that it goes through systems, you know, like right now factory farming and all that stuff doesn't really appeal to as many people. Like people are trying to look for more organic ways to live their life. But I think just like having that a hundred years from now, still being able to live this same lifestyle where you can go out, you can provide for yourself. You can yeah. in some ways, like even though, you know, I'm still ingrained in modern culture and everything else, I can still like tap into that primal root of what it is to be a human, what it is to go out to provide for myself and, and have that like experience. I think if we completely lose that experience, like we lose something as humans, 
And that's just my thought. Like it's, yeah. if, if we lose that ability to connect with nature, that ability to um, provide in that way, we just kind of lose something as a, as a culture, as a people, as a world. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. One of the, one of the things that I'm sort of leaning toward and building toward with, with every man is, is that, uh, you know, bringing guys together so that they get healthy and connected is, is, is in my opinion, you know, very positive and necessary, but even beyond that, what I hope happens is that we build a big community of men and then, and then we help them find ways to go out and, and do that protective work, whether it's, you know, whatever, planting trees or taking action politically. I don't, anything, right? Like I, I, um, the, uh, just the getting healthy part is, is meaningful to me, but to me, it's gotta be wedded to a bigger purpose. And honestly, to be straight with you, I'm, I am kind of scared. Uh, my kids, you know, some of the projections and some of the articles from scientists that I've been reading, and I know there's vastly different opinions on this stuff, but, um, I, I feel pretty, um, I feel in, like more motivated. It's not even motivated some level far beyond motivation. When I think about, um, leaving them with a planet that's going to support them and vice versa. Right. I think, I think these days it's what, it's what like lights me up more than anything else. And so, um, I agree with you that, you know, protecting, protecting this place and our ability to go out there is, I don't know. It's, it's gotta happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of weird to think cause you think about like human history and, and it's like a very short amount of time that we're changing the things that humans have like always done. Yeah. Even if you just think about hunting and that, I and mean, we're talking like from it being something that the majority, not, I wouldn't say it's from the majority of Americans, but like a way of life for a lot of people to going the opposite way. You're talking about a very, very short piece of human history. Yeah. And it's like, well, what happens when you lose that, that, that's, something that you did that humans did over thousands of years in a matter of a a blip in our human history, you know, what's going to happen a thousand years after that. And it's just kind of a weird, it's a weird thought of who know, who knows like how in how much of a part of us it is. I know, well, you've, you've been on hunts with people that are brand new hunters and I have, you know, many of the hunts that I've taken people on the new hunters. And it's like, I think one of the common things that they tap is like, it's this weird emotion that you don't get in any other, Mm -hmm. any other thing you do in your life, Mm -hmm. the memory and a type of like experience that is unlike anything else, but it is like, familiar and primal and you're i think that some people that i know they say like the only thing that is close to it is when you have a child like that like weird primal connection of this is what humans are supposed to do like this is how we've survived for so long it is it it is and having yeah tapping into that even as you say it like the the viscerality of, of childbirth haven't been there for two it's um yeah there is something there i i just a couple of days ago, I, I butchered some birds, some, some ducks and some chickens, and it's very not a hunt, right? It doesn't feel, but um, there's a base note in that of just, you know, doing the dirty work to, to provide some food and, and recognizing death and, 
and um, yeah, not in any weird or gross way, but it felt really, it felt really, it felt good, you know, just to say that it's just like um, not good, but satisfying or, or, or grounding maybe is, is the way to it, to say it. Um, here's my, here's sort of my last line of question here for you on this one. And again, I don't make any big assumptions, but well, no, this is, it's, it's fact. A lot of dudes look up to you like, hero status right i think how does how do you how do you how do you feel about that how do you deal with that are you are you cool with that do you feel like it's extra pressure do you just um yeah that's an interesting question i mean i think i mean i i'm cool with it like obviously it's something that's like a part it's like it's a good it's a good thing right i feel like you know i've done something people look up to the the way that I've done things and like that's really cool um and I would never like yeah I I think that I think that it's really cool personally it's just like it it, for a long time it was like pretty awkward for me because I'm just like I did like I said I just I'm not like the type of person that um like is comfortable with accolade in some ways you know and I'm getting more used to it um but also I feel like yeah, there is like that strange pressure of you go to like, if I go to a public, um, like a, I don't know, say like a public event where there's like a lot of hunters, you know? And it's just like, um, at the end of it, I'm like extremely wore down because the way I see it is like, okay, like you're on all the time. Like you have, like your interaction with this person is going to be their impression of you and they have you hyped up to this certain level and you don't want to let them down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, yeah. I mean, I, I've done some, like, uh, I did something and I was just like, I don't know if I'd ever been as exhausted as after a day of just like this. Yeah. You know, I probably met a thousand people. I don't know, you know, different like, kind of exhaust exhaustion than yeah. packing out. Yeah. And it, way pounds. harder, way more difficult. <laughs> I, most yeah. of my life I'm like, and I'm, I'm, yeah. uh, I know I've said this like around you and uh, I don't know if you agree with it or not, but I feel like I'm a extroverted introvert. Mm-hmm. Like my, I'm an introvert that lives an extrovert life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this weird, yeah. it's a super weird. I don't even know how to explain it. Like I'm everything that I do. My hobbies are very introverted hobbies. My lifestyle yeah. is like very introverted. Like I travel a lot. I go, but yet everything I do for work is very extroverted. Like you can see what I do on social media. You can watch me on TV. Like I, and so to have like every, but I also feel like as a, and people be like, well, why do you do it? But I feel like I'm doing what I love. And also I like sharing that knowledge. I like sharing that adventure for people that, maybe don't get to do it as much or hopefully to inspire other people to do something similar or in their own way, something similar. Um, so I mean, that's I'm why so, I like to share it. I'm, I am, there's, there's literally nobody I can think of right now that I'm more happy for their success than you, because I, I deeply admire your, there's no, there's no fuckery at all with, with you, Remy, like you, you live what you believe and, and you have, you've been living what you believe for a really long time. 
Uh, you know, you have these deep connections to the people that mean the most to you. You have this deep connection to the earth. You, you, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's not surprising at all to me that people do look up to you. Cause I think that's what, at the end of the day, what people really honestly value and, and want, even if we don't know it, right. Just this, this like ownership of who we are and, and what we care about. Right. And in a lot of ways, every man is a response to people want needing a place to help them figure that. Cause a lot of people don't have that. Honestly, a lot of people yeah. don't, it didn't have the people to, give them permission to do what they want to do. They didn't have, you know, and people get off on all these tangents in life and aren't connected to each other, aren't connected to their family, aren't connected to, to nature and all these things. And so, so, you know, I actually do get, I think it, it is sad in a sense, but a lot of people do need that extra time to, uh, to figure that shit out. So I'm just happy for you, man. I, I think, I think you sharing it, it is natural, right? Like you're, um, yeah. you've decided you live a very clean and clear just a clear life, man. We don't have to get to it, but um, some other time, maybe we'll do another one in a year or something or later on. But I, we, I wanted to get you to tell a story about uh, about your uh, the the lost hiker you found, and maybe, maybe that's not something you share publicly. But um, that that's a little tangent. I didn't need to say that. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, yeah, I, I'd I'd be down to share that. We'll have to like, we would have to take a bathroom break first. <laughs> no, no, we'll wrap it up here, man. Um, thank you for all the time, and um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping I'm guessing there's a good chance there's gonna be a lot of dudes um, that if they're not familiar with you now in our community are gonna are gonna head your way, and I couldn't condone it anymore. I think, um, um, I mean, I think everybody should should check your stuff out and. Uh, you know, huge fan still, man, huge fan of what you're doing. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I come, that means a lot coming from you because we've done some cool stuff together and I love to see your success as well. And, you know, when I just like, it's awesome to see the people that you know, or I don't know, there's, there's just so many people out there that kind of do their, do their thing. And I, I like that. I like when people are doing their thing and, and doing well at it and, or at least giving it a go. Because that's just like, that's the truest way you can be true to yourself and, and just have a good time. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's not enough time in, in life to just mess around with everything else. So exactly. I appreciate, I appreciate uh, you know, getting to chat with you and it's always good. We need to get back out in the mountains soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm all in, you, you know, anytime let's, let's, uh, let's connect and, and make that happen. Where should we send, where should we send our guys to find you Instagram best place or. Yeah. Send them an Instagram and then you can kind of figure everything out from there. Um, you know, I, the, the thing about, uh, if you're in lockdown or whatever and you're just like interested or maybe you're like, yeah, I like to hunt or whatever. Um, you know, Instagram's great. If you want to see some solo hunter videos, uh, you can find those on Amazon prime or, um, YouTube. And then my podcast, like if you're interested in like hunting stories or tips and stuff like that, my podcast, uh, cutting the distance podcast, that's good too. Yeah. Check um, there's just like, if you got a lot of time and you want some content, you can find stuff. <laughs> there's some good stuff out there. I'm going to dig up the intro to apex predator and I'm going to play it at the beginning of the show. So yeah, dude, I think there's actually, I think you can actually still get episodes of apex predator. Really? I want to, yeah, I want to, I got to figure out 
we need to talk because I was like, I want to get that and just like figure out a way that we can make it free and easy access for people. Well, dig it up. It's a cool episode. I want to put links. Yeah. I want to put links here. I want to put that out there and, and, uh, that would be badass, man. Yeah. That's cool. All right, Remy. Thanks, man. Thanks for your thanks, time. Thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. See ya. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, it's really one of my favorite podcasts that we've done. Um, I miss that lifestyle. I miss just being out in the woods. I miss out being in the woods with Remy, just to be honest about it. One more quick story. I don't know if we talked about it, but we uh, we did a an episode on wolves and how they hunt as packs, how they hunt elk down. And for part of it, we, he had a buddy who had a wolf dog, so a real wolf that was, you know, mostly tame. And then we we made the wolf and Remy race against each other. It was just fucking ridiculous. But it was amazing. Um, all right. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Sign up for the podcast. Um, you know, do whatever the hell it's called to to get it in, in your, in your uh, become, follow it, whatever it's called. And uh, sign up for our membership and I'll talk to you in there. All right. Take care.